This is a story about fear. Almost everybody we meet tonight in the Christmas gospel is afraid of something. And mostly they are the very same fears that you and I have brought with us as we came to church this evening. Elizabeth is afraid that she will never have a baby. At her age, she should be pregnant, but she is not. Mary is afraid that she will never be married. At her age, she should not be pregnant, but she is. And in a culture that takes a very dim view of unwed mothers. Zechariah is a pastor struggling with his faith in God. Though he goes to the altar, he is afraid that the Lord no longer hears his prayers. Joseph is a parishioner, struggling with his faith in Mary. His fiancée is pregnant by somebody else, and he fears that means divorce. Caesar Augustus is buckling under the stress of guns and butter, as CEO of the world's biggest economy and also commander-in-chief of the world's biggest army. He is counting noses and raising taxes and hoping to hold on in an empire that makes a habit of assassinating weak leaders. The shepherds are scared of the angels. The wise men are scared of King Herod. And King Herod is scared of losing his job, of being unemployed at Christmas time when the big bills come due. Even the holy innocents are afraid. A two-year-old does not know much, but he knows enough to be terrified when he is being murdered. This whole story smells like fear. The opposite of fear is safe. When we are safe, it is because there is nothing left to fear. But how is anybody going to make all of us safe? How is anybody going to fix everything that you and I have brought with us tonight? From infertility to teen pregnancy to unanswered prayers... Divorce, job stress, big bills, bad bosses, unemployment, found aliens, lost faith, and murder. And then whatever else you would care to add to the Christmas story. Who can fix all of that? That is Jesus' job. Jesus comes to make all things new to make them good, to make them well, to make them safe, all things, even you and even me. It is a startling idea, of course, that a virgin was selected by God to bear his son as a way of showing concern and love for you and for me, as a way to make us safe. But if we just watch it play out and then embrace it as innocence and grace trump evil and violence, 
it is a shot to the heart that will give us some hope. And we will never be the same again. To do his job, to make us safe, Jesus starts at our start, taking flesh and blood from his mother's womb. To make us safe, he lives out our lives as we live. Our joys, of course, but also every gritty sadness. He was born poor, he was homeless as a child, and he was a refugee in Egypt. And every disappointment, his father died when he was young, his family called him crazy, and his best friends betrayed him to death. He did his job in such a way that none of us can ever say, Jesus does not understand what I've been through. To make us safe, he even dies our death. He gobbles up every last one of our sins. And then when our sins have poisoned him, he dies innocent, murdered, and is buried in a borrowed tomb. To make us safe, he rises to our resurrection. Jesus rouses the flesh that Mary gave him as a Christmas gift and moves to heaven to the feast that has no end. In the light of holiness, with those whom you love who have gone before us in the faith, Jesus is waiting there with them for us. If that really is the Christmas story, that Jesus has done his job in flesh and blood, then why don't we feel safe tonight? Why are we still troubled? And why have we brought so many fears? Why are we still so scared of our lives and of our deaths? It is, I think, because we have lost track of this child. You know this if you've had a child. So long as the baby is the center of your existence, so long as it comes first, then all is well. But if you don't watch them and listen to them and feed them and change them and wash them and rest them and protect them and vaccinate them and put them in a car seat, things can go badly very quickly. It is just the same with the baby Jesus. Here is God come to earth in flesh and blood and drop tonight into our laps, asking us to see him and hear him and hold him and own him, asking us to have him as the center of our existence, asking us to tend him where he lies, in the water of the font and the pages of scripture, and in the bread and wine of his Holy Supper, asking that he could come first so that as he grows, he may do what any good child does, that he may tend you, full blast, with you and in you and on you, displacing your fears so that you can live in peace and in hope, safe, from all that troubles you.
The world is a very tough place. Sin inside us and evil outside of us. Sometimes we can explain the trouble that comes to us. Infertility and pregnancy and marriage and divorce and big bills and small faith and death. Sometimes we can explain those things as a matter of bad genes or bad families or bad choices or bad luck. But sometimes we can't explain our troubles. Sometimes we get hit from the blind side by a Caesar or a Herod or a Judas who are so afraid of life that they are all too willing to crush us or kill us to protect themselves. And as we suffer, we have absolutely no idea what just happened. Either way, whether we can explain our troubles or not, if in the midst of that, if in the midst of that we lose track of this child, then we will be lost for sure in fear, in a darkness so deep that we cannot find our way out. Fear only really gets fixed, really fixed, when it is pushed aside, when it is displaced, when it is forced to flee by a force bigger than itself. Fear only gets fixed when someone from outside me and from outside you comes to rescue me and you. And so he comes again this Christmas. Fear not, says the angel to Mary. What that angel gives her is Jesus. With his words, he forgives Mary. He hallows her and he bestows the presence of Christ in her. He puts Christ at the center of her life and in the center of her womb. And the Lord then has his particular use of this young woman as the mother of God. No fear. Fear not, says the angels to the shepherds. And with that, the angels give them Jesus forgives them and welcomes them, the oppressed, the outcast, the underclass, they're included too. The angels bestow the presence of Christ. They put Christ at the center of all things for those shepherds, in a manger, God in flesh. And the Lord's particular use of them is to make them the very first witnesses of his incarnation, no fear. Fear not, says the angel to you, and with that, he gives you Jesus, forgives you and draws you near again, and encourages you for the days ahead, bestowing on you the presence of Christ, putting Christ front and center in your life, at altar, pulpit, and font. This Jesus, he enters your flesh, your world, your troubles, your suffering, your fears. He stands by you in every circumstance, making you safe.
The miracle of Christmas is that God does this for you alone and then for all of us together, building us as church, as his community, as his body here on earth. So you are never alone and you are never unloved and you are here to be little Christ to each other, servants of the Christ who commands our full attention, who lies front and center at altar, pulpit and font again tonight, the baby who stays with us and by us and for us and near us, the one whom Isaiah promised would break our oppression and lift our burdens and stop our wars and bring us light in the darkness and show us the way to joy and peace and leave us safe with nothing to fear. Merry Christmas. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.